Hey, I'm glad you guys are here this morning. It's always good to worship the Lord and spend time with the family of God. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. I also want to say thank you to you guys that came out this last Friday night for our prayer and worship night. I know as many of you guys were there. I, it was so encouraging, truthfully, because there were so many people that came. I, I think, honestly, one of the most attended prayer nights we've ever had as a church, and it's just awesome to see people praying and worshiping the Lord, and, and that's important, guys, because God moves and works when we do that, and so thank you for being a part of that on Friday. As you guys can see on the screens, the title, the topic, however you'd like to look at it this morning, is Growing Bigger by Growing Smaller. If you've been at Emmaus for a while now, you probably recognize this because even pre-pandemic, one of the things as we've cast vision for the future of the church is to do this very thing, that we believe that God doesn't want us to grow to be a, a mega church per se, but to continue to grow bigger by growing smaller and planting other churches in different areas. And so this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, woven in with some other things. But I want to look at a text in the book of Matthew. If you have your Bible, you can open it or your app, or if you just want to follow along, that's cool, to Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to look at real quickly at verses 35 through 38. And this is probably a familiar passage um, for most of you, if you've spent any time in church and, um, and in the Word. But it says this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray. Father, we, we do, we just love you and thank you for your goodness. Lord, like we were just singing, you are the great I am. And the fact that we can even talk to you right now is mind-blowing. But Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercies, like your word says, that are new each and every morning. Father, my prayer um, this morning is like it is every Sunday we come together, is that Holy Spirit, you would just come and move and work and do what only you can do in our hearts and our lives, Father, that we would fall more deeply in love with you, that we would leave here more zealous to walk in obedience to you and your ways and your plan for our lives, and that everything about this morning would bring honor and glory to you. So we love you, Jesus. We give you this time. It's yours. Amen. Amen. Well, in our text this morning, it's really, really neat. You see Jesus, and he's going, like it says, you're through all these different towns and villages, and he's teaching in their synagogues, and he's healing the sick. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and as he's doing that, crowds are obviously coming. And rightfully so. I mean, Jesus, he's performing these things, he's doing these things, and the crowds are coming. And I want us to notice a few things through this text this morning. And, and the first thing is this. 
I want us to see, or I believe we should see how Jesus sees. If you look, it says that he sees the crowds, right? And it says that he had compassion on them. All these people are coming, and it says that this crowd that was around him, that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and yet he has compassion on them. One of the things that's beautiful about Jesus is that he sees beyond the exterior into our hearts, into the depths of who we are. And I love that when Jesus sees these people who are helpless, who are going through all sorts of things, of they're being harassed, it says, that they're lost without a shepherd, that he has compassion on them. Now, as you go throughout your days and you go throughout life, do you see people the same way? Do you see people who are lost sheep without a shepherd, who are, don't, who are not followers of Christ? When you look upon them, how do you view them? How does your heart posture towards them? Is it one of compassion Because unfortunately, I believe a lot of times when we look at the lost world around us or those who don't know Christ, oftentimes we look at them sometimes with judgment and criticism and even sometimes condemnation for how they are, what they say, what they do. But understand that Jesus sees the crowd, sheep without a shepherd, and he has compassion on them. He has compassion towards them. And I hope that when we see the world around us, that we would have that same response, that our heart would be the same way, that we would look at people with compassion. The other thing Jesus sees here is he sees the great harvest. Not only does he see these lost sheep, but he sees that there is a harvest to take place there. And he says not only is there a harvest, but it's plentiful. There's a lot to be harvested. It's not just a little bit, but there's a great need for a harvest to take place. And as you look around at the world and those that don't know Christ, understand there's a harvest there. There are people that are ripe and ready to give their lives to Christ and to experience the freedom and life and joy that comes from knowing Jesus. But I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I look at people and I think, man, they are not ready to give their lives to Christ. There's no way that this person would ever give their lives to Christ how they are right now. And we actually can look at people and how far they are from Christ. And if we're not careful, we can write them off. But Jesus, he looks at these lost sheep. He looks at them, harassed and helpless. And he says, you know what? There is a ripe harvest to take, to take place here. And what I want to encourage you guys to remember and be reminded of is that no matter how far someone is from the Lord, no matter how great the rebellion against God, that the Holy Spirit in an instant, in a moment, can transform the hardest of hearts and make somebody new. Do not forget that. As you go throughout life and you see people that are lost, sheep without a shepherd, Be faithful in your ministering towards them because I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit can come in and do what we see is absolutely impossible in the hearts and lives of people. And Jesus sees that. He looks at these people, at the crowd. He has compassion on them, but then he also sees that there's an incredible harvest. But you know the third thing he sees? He sees that there's a need for more workers. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's taking all this in. 
And then he speaks to his disciples that. As he sees the crowd and has compassion, he says this to the disciples, his followers. He says, listen, guys, look at this crowd. You see me having compassion. You see me doing these things. But I'll tell you, there's a plentiful harvest here, but the workers are few. And I say that to say this. Each and every one of us as followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, is called to be active participants, active workers in harvesting these fields. The harvest is there. It's plentiful. But we need more workers. We need more people that are not passively sitting back as spectators of a harvest that's ready to take place, but people that are actively being a part of that and working for the Lord and sharing the hope of Christ with people so that we can reap that incredible harvest. We're all given, the Word of God says, the ministry of reconciliation. You have an incredible purpose for your life in this very thing. You're an ambassador of Christ. The great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. Guess what? That's part of your calling for your life. And no matter where your feet take you, God wants you to be a worker alongside him to reap an incredible harvest because the harvest is plentiful. But Jesus tells the disciples here, he says, but the workers are few. So my encouragement to you is be a worker in the harvest field. Seek the Lord and say, God, how do you want me to be a part of this harvest? Because it's going to look a little different for everyone. But the beautiful thing about the body of Christ and all of its parts is that we're all important. And we have to use our gifts and talents so that we can come together and see the greatest harvest take place that's possible. Now, one of the things that I've loved about Emmaus since the day that I came to be a part of it is that we've always had a desire to do this very thing to go and make disciples, to reap a harvest amongst those who don't know Christ. And and that's part of the heart behind growing bigger, right? By growing smaller, is that we can actually have a greater influence and impact as we spread out into different areas to be a part of the work God's doing and reap the greatest harvest possible. In Matthew uh, 9.38 here, It says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus tells the disciples, the workers, or the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he tells them, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out more workers into his harvest field. And so he's saying, in a nutshell, pray for more workers. Go be a part of the work that's taking place. And at Emmaus here, that is what we've done. And it's our heart for what we're going to continue to do in the future. Now, with that being said, this morning, I'm very excited to tell you guys a little bit about what that's going to look like for the church in the future of growing bigger by growing smaller. And the first exciting thing that I want to share with you guys is that my wife and I and our family are actually going to be moving to Ecuador. And this is going to take place at the end of the year, at the end of this year. And if you've been around Emmaus for any amount of time, uh, you know that about five and a half years ago, we started a work in Ecuador to plant some churches there. And the Lord has been doing all sorts of incredible things there, but then also in our lives and in our hearts for our family. And um, that's where we will be going at the end of this year. Um, It's a lot to take in. 
for us, granted, we've been, this isn't new to us. <laughs> for you guys, I know it is a little bit, but we are genuinely excited. One of the things that I'm really excited about is that our ministry of planting more churches in Ecuador is actually going to be an extension of Emmaus here. So we're going to work alongside Emmaus Springfield to help plant more churches in Ecuador and hopefully create an avenue even for more people from the church to go to Ecuador to wherever in the future to plant churches around the world while also continuing to be faithful to that mission here. And we'll share more about that here in a minute. But, you know, this is something that's really difficult for, for Maggie and I and our family because we love this place. And we love you guys. There's a part of me, not really, but it'd just be a lot easier if I didn't love you guys and this Lord wasn't doing good things here. And I was like, you know what? We're out of here. We're done with this nonsense. You know, like that would be a lot easier. But it's tough because the Lord is doing some incredible things here. And at the same time, the Lord is calling us to go there. And for years, Maggie and I always thought that our family would go overseas. We didn't know when. We thought it might be later in life. But as we've begun to seek the Lord, you know, a while back on that, he's made it clear that now is the time for us to pursue that. And so I'll just share a couple little stories of how good the Lord is. But in our talking and praying about this, when the pandemic hit, this last year, we had some worship and prayer nights on Friday nights where we actually just streamed it because we could only have 10 people gather. That was the maximum you could have in a church. And so there was about eight or nine of us here and, and Daniel and his crew were doing some worship and I'm just praying in the back. And it's about as clear as the Lord's ever spoke to me. He just said, now is the time. Now is the time for you guys to do that. And I was slightly in denial. I didn't even share that with my wife for a little bit because I was kind of freaked out. And I, didn't, I wanted to make sure I was really hearing from the Lord too because sometimes in my emotion, I'm a pretty emotional person. I, I just want to make sure, okay, God, is this you? Is this my emotions? And we began to pray through that. And the Lord just continues to confirm and affirm that now is the time. Uh, also, another deal that happened that was kind of freaky um, you guys know Samson that works at Potter's House? A lot of you guys know Samson. I love Brother Samson. He, I said he's half man, half amazing. That's what I tell him. He's just an incredible brother, okay? But I walk into the Potter's House one day, and I walk in the door, and he's mad at me. And I can't figure out why. And Samson's not quiet, you know, about anything. He's a pretty dynamic personality. And so he's, like, so reserved here in comparison. But anyway, <laughs> I walk in. He's like, don't you come in here. I know what's going on. And I said, what are you talking about? He's like, don't, mm 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 said, Samson, what is it? He's like, I know you're leaving. I've seen it before, and I can tell you, I know you're leaving. And I was having a little internal, like, oh my goodness, what is going on here? I didn't tell him at the moment. I didn't tell him what was going on and what we'd been praying and thinking about. Uh, I just said, Samson, not right now. You never know, but not right now. But man, the Lord just used some crazy things to affirm and confirm, man, this is the time. And so Pastor Ron and I keep saying, and we're blaming most of this, if not all of it, on Samson. So if you know him and you see him, you can have words with him and it's all his fault. Ron's making shirts, he said. So, um, but I'll tell you this, guys, we're excited. We are excited because we really believe that God is in this that this is part of God's plan for our family and for the, the church in Ecuador. And man, uh, we're going to miss you guys. We really are. We've been just like secretly mourning for a while. But the thing is, if it's a God thing, that means it's a good thing. And so the Lord's going to have good things for us in that ministry. But then here at Emmaus also. But with all this being said, I know the question that you guys are thinking through is probably, what does that mean here? 
What does that mean for the church here? What that, what's that gonna look like? And so Pastor Ron, you guys may have heard of him. He's gonna come and join me right now. And we're gonna share with you guys a little bit about what that means going forward for Emmaus Springfield. Here he comes. Isn't he wonderful? <laughs> you hear that, Ron? <laughs> yeah. Hey, give me, don't take my water. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm just grateful every service I haven't fallen up the stairs. Yeah, this is the third time breaking up with like a girlfriend, I feel like. That's what I told one of the services. Like, it's just awkward. But anyway, you're not my girlfriend. I'm talking to church. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so as, as Clint was speaking and stuff and knowing that, you know, we, so our model is, is co-led. Uh, we believe in teamwork. Uh, that's something the Lord showed us um, years ago. And with this change, one of the things that, that we just wanted to pray through is are we supposed to continue to do that? You know, in ministry... Um, or even a calling in your life, you can get so married to something that you think that's what has to happen um, rather than just God in a season. So took some time and prayed through that, and we really believe that we're supposed to continue to be co-led. Um, I spent some time in the woods in a cabin by myself, and and um, the Lord spoke to me in a cabin in the woods. And um, just so clearly, the Lord said, no, this is something that's, and it's, it's way past me. It's way past Clint. Um, we're a non-denominational church uh, for accountability in, in the West, where we're from. Man, pastors are just lifted up as idols, and they're torn down as well. And for building for the future, we do believe that this is something, not for every church, but for this church and this church model to grow bigger by growing smaller, you have to have multiple pastors at the lead. And so the Lord has, has told us that we're going to continue to do that, which um, is, is scary because this doesn't just happen. You can't just make this happen, this, like, this brotherhood that we have, because um, you're making every decision together. Um, you, uh, you seek the Lord together. You cover each other's strengths and weaknesses. And so we know it's going to have to be the Holy Spirit, but if the Lord said we're going to continue in it, he will bring that right, that right person in. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing, if you think about growing bigger by growing smaller, we want you guys to know that does not change the vision for Emmaus Springfield here, what is going on. Like that is still the goal. That's still the vision and the plan. And even more specific with that is that we believe that this church will plant the next church in the Willard area here in the future. There, you know, we don't know the exact timeline on that, but God's made very clear um, just that that is the spot, the location where the next church would be birthed from this one so that we can continue working in that harvest field uh, for the Lord. Now, if you remember way back, we said that one of the things that we really believe needs to take place before that church plant is that this building would be paid off. And so uh, many of you guys have on the, on the giving page on the website, there's an option where you can click to give towards the building fund. And thank you guys for those of you that, I mean, even through the pandemic, still giving to paying off the building. And we thank you guys for that. But that's one of those things that, man, as soon as that takes place, that helps to really put some rocket fuel to planting that next church in the Willard area. So that's still part of the goal. That's not changing just because of this. And the Lord's going to bring in into my position a person that's going to even help us, I believe, go in that direction in a greater way than I could have. Like, I, I really believe God's that good and faithful. His plans are perfect. And so we're excited that that's still what's going to happen for the future. 
Amen. And, and in this network of churches, churches that are they're connected through leadership and finances and, and theology and relationship, there's going to be pruning and uh, growth pains. That's a part of it. Even like going from two services to three services this year, we're seeing those services fill up. It's not just because of the pandemic. God is bringing us more people. And so with that, you always hear what people say, man, that's so hard because I'm not going to see that person every week. Well, that's part of growth. Growth is essential, but it also hurts. I want to look at, um, in the Gospel of John, John three twenty six through 30, when John the Baptist is actually asked from his disciples, hey, Jesus' disciples are doing this thing better than we are. And so I want to look at this, and it says, they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less." And that is, that's a part of growth and, and knowing that Jesus is supposed to be the center of everything. And that's what we want to do. Uh, 14 years ago, when we, we planted Emmaus, things have changed. Things have grown. Um, our leadership stru- structure has changed a little bit. I remember um, the first six months of um, leading Emmaus and, and my wife crying one night, on, like on a Sunday night, and is because we missed our old church. We missed our old pastor. Things were going really well in those first six months, but we still missed our home, but it was well worth it because it's what God had called us to. Um, you know, there's been, there's been good changes, but hard changes. This is what, our fifth building Number five. Number five. And in each one, there was pillars just like back. This is, these are the smallest pillars. Yeah. Uh, but in each one, there were pillars that I did not like. And each one, I said, this building won't work. And he was wrong. And I was wrong every <laughs> single time. Every single time. <clears throat> and so um, it, we know that there's going to be excitement. There's going to be grief. Um, there's going to be growth pains, and we want to give you guys that time to do it. We've, you know, we have uh, nine, ten months for this is going to happen. I keep telling them it's like fifteen, sixteen months. It's going to be longer. His timeline's way off, but we'll talk more about that. Yeah, okay. I didn't, I didn't yeah. teach math, um, <laughs> but this is this is a part of God's plan, and so we is we're excited. It's hard, but it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely hard. We love this place, like I was saying, and I feel like as we've been praying through this and knowing, like been privately, secretly mourning every Sunday, seeing all of you guys we love and just being a part, like, oh man, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough, but um, we're excited for it and all the Lord has. And, and like I said, I don't know if you caught it earlier, but I genuinely believe like when God is in something, it is good because he is good. And so for everything, all the change and the pruning and all is difficult and painful and stretching as it is, man, God is preparing, I really believe, something greater in Ecuador, but then here also, that's, that's honestly, I believe, beyond what we can either fathom, ask or imagine, right, like the Word of God says, and so that's exciting, but we've got so many incredible memories here. I don't know if some of you guys, I know a lot of you guys here don't know this, but Ron 
was actually the college pastor when I was in, Maggie and I were in college. We weren't even married yet. That's where I met Ron. He was the college pastor. We started going to that church. He baptized us before we got married. Like crazy, crazy history of things. And, and honestly, in some ways, Ron saw in me even things that I didn't for myself. And I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Ron and Jessica and their encouragement and support and building me up. I mean, it, it, there's a lot to it, but just so many incredible memories, but I believe it's just even more foundation for moving forward together in the future in just some different ways. And, you know, Ron and I, we've been, I got some stories, okay? I've got some stories about Ron that you guys would not imagine, okay? This is being recorded maybe, so I can't share them all from here. But good stuff. I mean, good night. The very first vision trip we ever took to Ecuador is Ron and I and, and exploring places and see that come to fruition. And right after Maggie and I got married, we went on a mission trip with Ron and Jessica to Mexico. Literally one week after we got, we got back from our honeymoon, two days later, we went to Mexico with them and they were so good to us. And then... Uh, we just had so many things. It's been awesome, and I think there's more to come, too. Yeah, there's lo- lots of great memories. and I've start- This guy wanted to start an archery ministry at one point, and I, I think we have a, have, a, have a picture of that right there. Yeah, there's his bow. Uh, it's got a redhead label on it. I don't know what that is. I don't know either, uh, Yeah, I put that in because he, he's done a little bit of modeling for Bass Pro. They like his brown eyes and his beard. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah he did not have an archery ministry. <laughs> each, each service we've changed it up a little bit. I'm so, um, I, I, I'm, I can't believe you put that up there. And I told him every service, like this is no surprise now, right? But we've still got some time. So there's pictures coming. He started something he's not ready to deal with, I don't think. Yeah. So. Each service I keep waiting when we bring this part out for him that he grabbed something, but he didn't. So No, no, I'm holding out. Not I'm yet. Waiting. Yeah. But yeah, just so many minutes, you know, just memories of, you know, watching him and Maggie grow um, when we first brought him on um, as, as kids pastors and then teaching pastor. Um, they were our first missionaries. We, I did mention this in the second service. First missionaries we ever supported um, as a church. Our first year of Emmaus, they were in Chile uh, doing ministry. So just watching them grow, um, having each other's backs and things, um, rebuking each other when needed, encouraging each other when needed. Um, and just seeing that growth um, during the pandemic, you know, watching. So what we've went through during the pandemic is nothing compared to like South America. And um, God has just gifted him and Maggie just with such just relationship with the people in Ecuador. And he would, um, you know, he would text them, they would text him back and just, and seeing him just be emotional about it. And you could see God was calling him to have that shepherd's heart, not just here, but there in Ecuador. So just watching that growth and watching what God has done in you is pretty awesome. So, um, so this summer we will start the process of, of finding a new co-lead pastor. I'm not saying we're going to have one this summer. We're going to just start the process in, in May and June, early summer. And it's going to take us at least six or seven months, maybe longer. We don't know. We're not going to hurry this thing. It must be a God thing. It must come from the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, we'd be naive to think that this would just happen. It, it has to truly be a God thing. Please uh, feel free to ask questions to us, the elders or the staff or your house church leaders. Uh, we've got about nine, ten months b- before they fly away. That mouth is right this time. I think that might be. Yeah. We'll 12, 14, 16. 16 to two, I don't know what he was saying. Um, so we will talk about this more, and you guys can ask more questions. We want to give you guys a chance to be excited about it, to grieve, you know, have that morning turn to dancing type thing. And um, 
you know, we want to have some time in prayer about it as well. Um, like every sermon, every teaching of Mary's, we, we always have questions. That's just what we do. Them. Have to have them. So today is no different. So the first question is, what is God pruning and growing in your life right now? Pruning and growing is essential for every believer. There's the weeding out. That's that sin. It goes away. But then the pruning and growing, that, that can be painful, but it's essential. Where you were at last year with your understanding of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and his ministry for you, it should be growing from year to year. You should not be the same person. But growth is essential, but it's also hard. Right? And um, so what is God calling you to prune and grow right now? The second question is what will be your part in growing bigger by growing smaller? This isn't just, a, just an us thing. This isn't just our elders and, and staff and house church leaders. This must be a village. Right? As, as the Lord calls us to advance the kingdom, something that the Western church struggles with, again, with that idolship of leaders and stuff, we forget that we are all called to this. If you've called in the name of the Lord as your Savior through Jesus Christ, then you are called to this ministry. So we are asking you to pray, what will be your part in growing bigger by growing smaller? So if you guys can, if you guys can stand with me, we're going we're gonna to pray, and we're just going to worship Jesus this morning. Uh, Pastor Clint is going to lead us in prayer. Uh, and just let you guys know we love you guys and excited what God is doing. Amen. Yeah, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We love you and Lord, I thank you that like it says in Isaiah that your thoughts are not our thoughts, your ways are not our ways, that they are higher and greater and far better than anything we could come up with apart from you or on our own. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would trust you, that we would surrender and just trust you for every moment of every day. Lord, I pray that... Um, that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is Pastor Ron and my favorite verse, Lord, that that would just be, continue to be true of each of us in here individually, but then also as a church, Lord, that we would trust in you with all of our heart, that we would not lean on our own understanding, but that we would acknowledge you in all our ways. And that, Father, you would make our path straight, that you would show us how we're to go, when we're to go. And, Lord, may we trust you when the path that you put before us isn't the easiest, but it's your path for us as an individual, as a church. And may we just say yes, Lord. Whatever it is you call us to, may we say yes. And just be children who are marked by obedience to you, Lord, for your ways are better. And, Father... Show us what it looks like to be workers amongst this harvest. The harvest is plentiful in Springfield, Missouri, in every part of the globe, Lord. There are people longing for you, to know you, to surrender to you. May we be the ones that are faithful ambassadors, that share the love of Christ with people so that they can know truly what life abundantly is and what life eternally is and what it means to have peace that goes beyond understanding, what it means to have a living hope that's found in you, Lord. May we be faithful workers in your harvest. 
And Lord, like your word says, may we never grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Lord, may we be steadfast in our devotion to you. May we be unwavering in our ministry to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers, to fellow students, to the people at the grocery store. Man, Lord, may we just never grow weary in serving you, but in fact have an ever-increasing zeal for you and your kingdom. Show us our part, Lord, and may we be obedient. I love you, Jesus. You are good. Amen.